Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a June edition. Uh-huh of the only podcast i am your co-host austin smith joined as always by your other co-host john kirby you can find us on twitter at ac smith 06 and at john underscore kirby and as always follow the mothership at the only colors today as i alluded to it's tuesday june 14th when you're listening to this probably wednesday june 15th uh and john i i mean i don't I don't think we need a parade or any medals or anything like that for doing a podcast in June when we're typically, you know, on sabbatical. However, I'm not turning it down any champagne that may or may not appear on my doorstep. Thoughts? Hey, if you're floating booze our way, not going to say no. I think it's. I think everyone should know that. You know, we could have picked any night, but I chose the night where my wife was definitely working late. I got to put down my daughter who's teething and it's a hundred degrees in Chicago. So <laughs> I, I just feel like I have, I'm very planned out right now. I'm very organized as you can tell. And we would do it all for you guys because this, we felt like there's enough cooking. There's a lot of stuff cooking right now, Austin. Even tonight we might get a live read. We might. It's uh, there's, there's some, some rumors the mill is is churning, as it were, uh, that there may be a, a commit for football coming this evening. So uh, if that happens during the show, we will be sure to to let you know. Otherwise, we won't. And you'll find out and you'll already know when you're listening to this. And, you know, that'll be fun for you, too. Um, but, John, let's let's talk about the fact that we're recording right now and just how monumental that is. I think we've already sort of alluded to it a little bit, talking a bit about recruiting, but One of the reasons that we are feeling compelled to break our sabbatical and and bring you this content is because recruiting is now kind of the third major sport. Sorry, hockey and baseball fans. Uh, Football recruiting is the third major sport at Michigan State now. You know, historically, you and I have kind of stayed away from these waters because it uh, it could be a little fickle to tie your hopes and dreams too closely to the mind the ever-changing minds of a 17 year old kid uh however however however, uh i i am here to admit that we are are painfully all in on recruiting now and i i really i have to say i don't feel like we had much of a choice this was really forced upon us by mel yeah and here's the thing if you can get everyone excited not even michigan state fans like you the things that mel and company are doing are, are being noticed nationally so it's kind of hard for <laughs> you boys to ignore it <laughs> we can't just walk away from the national story uh i mean literally we've got we've got the athletic doing podcasts and issuing mea culpas about saying things uh about mel tucker preemptively mm-hmm. we've got uh, ESPN writing long form pieces about how Michigan State is trying to to uh, quote unquote do a Clemson and launch themselves into a stratosphere that you know they've never really been in as a program. I mean, it's it's not just us saying, "Whoa, we're getting a bunch of four star kids to come play for us." It's like you said, John. It's everywhere. It's unavoidable. And I think as a fan, that's 
I mean, it's exciting for a variety of reasons, not only because that national attention is something that obviously I think any any program strives for, but it's also uh, working. And I think that's the part that is, um, I think, sort of throwing all of us for a bit of a loop. But yeah, it's uh, it's the uh, it's safe to say the the uh, the recruiting game is is off and running. Um, do we want to what do we want to start with here? Just going through some of the commits because it's been a busy last couple weeks. Yeah, I think let's go through the commits before I hand it over to you because you have a great handle on these guys. Want to throw out that um, a handful of these guys, or at least one of them, committed during the th- this three week recruiting stretch, which you know, arguably is one of, if not, you know, the most important recruiting weekends in, in program history, just because we'll talk about their trajectory later. But um, at those recruiting visits were was a lot of buzz and content. Uh, Mel Tucker doing something that comes so difficult to almost every college coach, and that is be cool. And, and I, I mean, I say that as like kind of a joke, but it's, it's just so obvious, and I don't mean to pick on, like, Jim Harbaugh or, like, I don't even know, even P.J. Fleck. Like, uh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Being, well, I was going with those first two because, like, being energy guy coach is one thing, but being, like, actually cool that teenagers – teenagers don't think and a lot of, like, 50-year-old guys are cool. Like, we have seen – Everyone seems to be in universal agreement about it. And then not just him, the entire program is now, I would say, starting to mirror him. Like everything you see kind of coming out is a reflection of his personality, his attitude, his, I don't know, just everything. And that to me is a very good thing. <laughs> um, and because of that, you know, he's landed some of these recruits. So, you know, you guys, like we said, Go to the athletic. Go read some of these articles. See the photos for yourself. Um, but we'll take you through these these most recent commits, all of which were four star recruits. Which, um, well, it's, it's good. It's good. And now with the latest edition, puts MSU at eight uh, four star recruits. That's good for third best in the entire country. Uh, so we're yeah, Michigan's right there. Michigan State is right there, man. Yeah, and I think you you hit on like a really something that I believe was mentioned maybe in the ESPN article. I believe it was Adam Rittenberg that wrote it, who's always done great work, you know, covering the Big Ten for, gosh, forever. Um, one thing that it, it, the byproduct of Michigan State, like this, this all is happening. Everything you're talking about, Michigan State's program taking on kind of the aura and the personality of its coach, it's all happening because of the contract that Michigan State gave Mel Tucker. When you want to, you know, that contract and what that signified for what the university was willing to do for its football program is the reason why all of this stuff can happen. Like these photo shoots are are on Spartan stadiums, like, 50-yard line and Lamborghinis and G-Wagons and stuff like that, posing with Mel Tucker, that's all happening because of that confidence that comes from knowing, not only from Mel Tucker's side, but from the university side, that this guy is going to be here. Like, we are going to make our program in his image because he's here. He's ours. We've showed you that there's a commitment fan base, recruits, parents, alumni, and we're throwing our full weight behind it. And I think you have seen it, John. You alluded to it. It's paying off uh, in 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 droves. And I don't want to make this about Michigan because it's not about Michigan. It's about Michigan State. But um, if you want to look at why that matters, look down the road. U of M is coming off of a, a college football playoff appearance. Their first time being Ohio State in 30 years and genuine national attention. One of the largest alumni bases, a huge representation in the national media, all of these things. Like, if you were a betting person, you would assume, okay, that means that they're probably having an incredible recruiting class. They're not. They're actually well behind their usual pace 
I'm sure they'll end up with a respectable class, if not a good class. But you want to know that is happening because of the Jim Harbaugh contract shenanigans. That's what happened. Recruits noticed that. Parents noticed that. Alumni noticed that. There's a vibe around your program when you're not sure where that's going. Anybody who follows Michigan State felt the same thing when the LSU was sniffing around uh, Mel Tucker before he was given the contract. So there's a reason why you make that investment, and it's showing through in, in what you're seeing right now. And again, if you want the contrast, just look down the road a bit, and you can see wh- what happens when you don't have that same amount of juice. So I Wait, say all that. Awesome. Sorry, go ahead. Question for you. That contract, that was universally agreed upon to be a great move by everyone, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Surely, surely no one could have questioned someone betting on themselves to compete for a national championship, not laughed at. But what happened? Like, oh, that's right. Everyone laughed. And then fast forward what? How many months ago is that? Was it November? Not, October? Not, not a lot. Yeah. Um, where are we now? And there's a long way to go. It's not saying it's done yet. That's the whole thing. It's just getting started. So yeah. let's hear it. Let's hear it. And, and while Michigan, Michigan State's landed a handful of kids here that are and I, I do think context matters here because there are two ways to look at this. I mean, you mentioned it, John. Michigan State is you know, currently in the top, I think it's 12 in terms of uh, 24-7 composite. They're somewhere in the top 17, I think you said, in terms of like per recruit. Can I give you average. an update? Can I give you Please an update? Do. Live Please update? Do. We're not, uh, Michigan State just lands a four-star inside offensive lineman. And with that commitment, Michigan State now is – past Georgia for uh, to become the ninth best class in the country. And long way to go. Average stars matter, or excuse me, average recruit ranking matters. I'll get to that later. But I just said the words Michigan State past Georgia in something football related. <laughs> and, and it wasn't penalties in the game. Like, it, wasn't <laughs> G, it wasn't GPA. <laughs> Dude. Right. I mean, that is, but that's just it. So Clay Whedon, four-star inside offensive, uh, interior offensive line, probably a guard or a center long-term, probably a guard long-term. Um, but but he is now the fifth four-star recruit in the last two weeks. And, and again, context matters. Not only nationally, Michigan State now a top 10 recruiting class as we sit here today. But think about that in contrast to the classes that you saw from, again, we're not trying to trash Mark D'Antonio, but it's just a very different reality now in terms of the caliber of player and the approach to team building. This team, Mel Tucker realizes that there is just a simple threshold for talent that you have to hit if you want to consistently and realistically compete for national championships. Um, and that's what he set out to do. And I think as a school, I, again, that's where all the backing comes in. Y- you love that he is saying, why shy away from big dreams? And the university is saying you shouldn't. Um, but yeah, to, to, to list through these five players, uh, I guess we'll just go in chronological order. The first was four-star cornerback Chance Rucker. Uh, he's out of Texas. That's a very exciting commit. You, I mean, again, anytime Mel Tucker, anytime these guys secure a defensive back, you have to get a little bit excited because we know that that's his, kind of the same way you did with D'Antonio. I mean, if you look at some of the bigger recruits he ever got, they were, they were secondary players. Um, so that's, that's an exciting ad. Uh, Demetrius Bell, the four-star right now is listed as an athlete. Uh, all indications are he'll probably end up at wide receiver. Uh, again, he is, he's listed as a four-star. He's from the state of Tennessee. Um, exciting thing there is that Bell, you know, was not a, highly sought after r- recruit and then saw his, his list sort of explode. And really the interesting thing here more than anything else is that MSU is not going to take a lot of wide receivers in this class. It's probably only going to take two, um, maybe three because Bell could theoretically switch to the secondary, but they now have three corners. So who knows if that'll happen, but uh, for MSU to take a guy like that at a wide receiver position says a lot about how they, they feel about him. Uh, the next and probably most household name at this point uh, player to commit is Jordan Hall, four-star linebacker out of IMG Academy in Florida. He's, uh, I believe, now the second or third highest actual uh, graded recruit in the class. 
if I remember correctly, John, he's the only three-time captain in IMG Academy history. So, and that's insane. That, so, first of all, being a three-time captain is a pretty big deal. I would say at almost any high school, truly. Like, yeah, really, right? Like, that's a really wild thing. You just don't do that in high school. And then, <laughs> IMG Academy. Austin, why don't you explain to maybe some of the listeners who don't know what IMG Academy is? Yeah, it's, why it's is not <laughs> because it's not really a school. Right. It's like a it's like a for profit quote unquote right. school that kids go to like really high level athletes in high school go to in order to pursue a professional career in the sport of their choosing. That can be football, that can be basketball. Uh, I mean, all of the, you know, it's actually a really big school for like country club sports, like oh, swimming, yeah. and tennis. And it's honestly, I, honestly, it's probably as prolific in the oh, non-revenue yeah. sports as anything else. So it's, it is a factory for athletes. Um, and so the fact that he's a three-time captain, I, I would assume will be a four-time captain this fall. Uh, at that school, the only guy to ever do it, I mean, you go down the list of players that they've turned out, and it's, it's remarkably impressive. They send guys to every school in the country year after year after year. Um, that's a big accomplishment. And he, is, he has been Michigan State's number one linebacker target for, you know, if you, t- if you listen to what the staff says for, like, legitimately years since he was a freshman. I think Mel Tucker's been recruiting him one way or the other, either to Colorado or to, to MSU. So just a that's that's kind of a stake in the ground get because he's had you know, like a lot of these guys, offers from everywhere. But you know, that's a that's a we came in and got the dude from the team and he had offers from just about everywhere. So that's a I'm excited about all of them, but that one jumped off the page at me. And the fact that he he committed officially while he was at Mel Tucker's house on his official visit to Michigan State, he canceled further additional. Uh, he had official visits, if I remember correctly, lined up for, I think it was like Michigan, Notre Dame, and another school that I'm forgetting, all in the next like three or four weeks. So like he proactive or preemptively canceled those visits because he knew he wanted to be a Spartan. Okay. So that's it's, crazy. It's insane, one, to do that. That's awesome. Two, never do that. You get <laughs> places. Like, what do you do? Like, live it up. Yeah. But anyway, good for him. That, I'm you know, thrilled, thrilled. Because uh, like you said, he might be the gem so far. But that didn't stop there. The fun kept going. Uh, this was yeah. today. Two commits, both today. Um, the first of which was another cornerback. This one's slightly higher rated actually than Chance Rucker, but, but not by a ton. That's Jalen Braxton, uh, furthering the Texas to MSU pipeline. Um, he's a four-star corner, like I said, also from, uh, the state of Texas. I I don't even know what to say. Who just finished his visit with Baylor and then called called Mel and said he's coming to Michigan State. And again, he 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 doesn't go again. And think about that competition. Baylor <laughs> just won the Big Twelve, and they and, are uh, is that dude too, Dave Aranda. Yeah, he's that dude as well. He's like on yeah. this level of that dude, like recruiting. They're turning it around, you know. Absolutely. I mean, it's the Big Twelve champs. They're in, you know, relative to Michigan State. It's a team in your backyard, and yet. You're choosing to go up to play in the Big Ten because you believe in what Tucker's building. So that's, again, a, a huge get. And then finally, like you said, uh, Michigan State secures a, a commitment from a hog molly in Clay Whedon. Like you said, four-star interior offensive lineman, probably a guard long-term. I think the exciting thing about that one is that as you look at the class, um, he is, I believe, yeah, the second – uh, offensive lineman to commit after Jonathan Slack. So, you know, you've heard it time and time again from Tucker that games are one of the trenches. You've seen it in the guys that he's had on campus. You know, he clearly believes that uh, y- you need that. Just that level of talent is really important at every position, but nowhere does it shine through more than in the trenches. And Whedon is, again, is a kid from Florida, four-star recruit, had offers from all over the country. 
and decided to come up uh, and play at Michigan State. Um, hard to not be excited about that. I think the the one of the crazy things is like Whedon and um, Jonathan Slack, the two kids Michigan State has gotten uh, to, uh, as their offensive line com- commits thus far, are probably the floor when you look at the guys that they're continuously recruiting. I mean, there's some names out there like uh, Madden Sanker is a, probably a center. I believe he's from Georgia as well. Who's out there? Peyton Kirkland, who's a tackle from Florida. Uh, Samson Okunla, Pancake Honcho from uh, Massachusetts is a top 25 overall kid. These are all guys that have given Michigan State official visits or are about to that are legitimately considering coming to, coming to school there. So while these guys are exciting and if they end up the two best linemen in the class, uh, you can be very happy with that. It's not out of the realm of possibility, though, that they have one or two higher graded players join them in this class. And that's that's as important as it gets from a recruiting perspective. You mentioned um, Jordan Hall kind of being like the guy from this latest batch. And we were also talking about, you know, how and why this year is the most important recruiting. You kind of got to land like, I mean, what would you call them? Like the the gems, right, of the. The best of the bunch. It, the whales. Yeah, it's like the, the it's and it's different. It really is different if you land a five star. Like it changes the perception of, pro, of programs at times, in my opinion. I don't even think that's necessarily an opinion. I think that's a fact. I think listen, Michigan State could land, you know, twelve four stars in this class, and while that could be very good for recruiting, it's obviously great from a talent perspective. It, I don't know that it represents some seismic shift in their their profile. It's obviously a step up from where it's been, a significant step up. But when you're, you're talking about, you know, like we said, pulling a Clemson and becoming truly like a national elite power, that doesn't happen without landing a couple of five stars. And that matters. I mean, it, it legitimately matters to show that you can throw your weight around like that. Um and so, again, these guys are all fantastic. When you look at the best recruiting classes in the country, they are made up the, the middle to upper parts of those. While, while there are five stars, obviously, that are, that are the crown jewels of those classes, if the meat of your class is made up of four stars like this, you are putting together a hell of a recruiting class. And that is honestly the type of class that you need to have if you want to fulfill you know, the goals that they've been very clear in setting for this program. So things are good. Is that fair? Can we say things are good? Uh, well, you know, we don't like to throw that word around here, but so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not bad. So that's interesting, right? Because I'm glad you caught me. They are not bad. They're the not baddest they've ever been in a while. Some would but, say. But they aren't good, Austin. And, <laughs> and if you're a new listener, only a couple or an elite group of teams or, can ever be good. In our world, the world we live in, Michigan. Very binary. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there were uh, 127 bad teams in college football. There were three good ones. And um, frankly, one of them didn't make the playoff. (laughs) But but to get to those that level of good, Michigan State would have to improve probably on this year's class. And I think we at one point set the minimum of a top 15 class um, to continue the momentum. But every like, I know it's just a number, but but it is truly reflective of of the jump that you need to make, right? Because to truly compete at the national championship level, you really do need at least three uh, top 10 classes. And that's that might be the outside looking in. Like it really is more realistically like, four top 10 or three top five like it's it's tough is that fair yeah i think you need well i think you hit on two things there Uh, one is that top 15 sounds great but the difference from 15 to 10 is tangible not only from just sheer talent but the because you have to remember this not just like like it's not like oh we finished number 15 it's like no 14 teams got more talented players than you did 
Right. It's not a record thing. It's a no. This is genuine. Like that's where I think people get a little bit confused. It's not like a title. You didn't win a title. It's other teams that beat you in this specific competition added better players than you did and kept them from your team. And that yeah. ultimately impacts the upside of your just general ability to compete for national. When you're talking about national championships, which is what we're talking about, only one team can win that. And you need to be the most talented team or one of the top four wins that every single year. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's luck involved, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you, you, no one has luckily won a national championship. Like those, you don't luck into fifth. You don't luck into fifteen wins. Right, right. It just doesn't happen. It well, just, it just doesn't happen. And and with that, you know, when we were talking earlier about uh, MSU kind of being mocked for that contract, my my whole thing, and I was I was actually in shock. Not about like defending the money or anything like that. It was like. I was shocked that anyone would be would laugh at anyone that tried that like and and like that was that's literally it that's all Michigan State is doing is try, yeah. trying harder than a hundred and right now a hundred and what twenty teams like there are not a lot of programs that are trying as hard as Michigan State, and most of them have been at the top forever and yeah. and they and they don't get mocked for trying. Like, because they, they, they are competing. So it was like, so odd to me when people are like, can you, can you believe Michigan state is trying? I, I just like, can't wrap my head around that. It's, it's like, like the, it's like, uh, in, in like, the, the, I don't even know what the analogy necessarily is. It's like somebody tries to jump up a class. In, it's like, if you watch the Gilded Age on HBO, it's like, oh, can you believe that they're, coming up and trying to be a part of New York society and like people really? scoff at, at that. Yeah. And that is like kind of in a stupid way, what it feels like. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, they, they're trying and guess what? They set the market. Go look at the other contracts that got handed out after that. I mean, it, it, it became the price of competing. And I think that, you know, tells the story that you need to, that's all you need to know about how seriously they're taking it. You know who gets to make fun of Michigan State for trying? The three teams that are good. I'm, I'm not right. saying they're right in doing it, but they're the only one. Like Alabama, Ohio State, and uh, you know, Georgia fans get to get to make fun of us and be like, look, look at you. Look at you trying. It's cute. Yeah, that's cute. I mean, dude, Alabama fans could spit in our cereal and we'd say thank you. You'd have to say thank you. Like well, there's nothing say, you can wow. do we got a Bama spit in our cereal bowl. This no, it's like, oh, thank you for only doing that. Thank <laughs> you for not burning my house down as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, not the smoothest transition here, but I want to go back to one other thing that, that you said and that I think is, is an important piece of this. And it kind of started last year, if you look at the caliber of the class. But stacking these classes is really what the great programs do. Mm -hmm. uh, because again, you know, Bama gets upset when they come in second in recruiting, like they threw a hissy fit, the whole Saban Jimbo thing this year happened because Bama wasn't literally the best mm -hmm. recruiting class. It's wild. And, and, but that's why they're so dominant every year is because that's the expectation and that's the standard and that's the caliber that they get is that level of talent. So while this class is, now, it, it's important, though, because this class, it's the first one after the big contract. It's Mel Tucker's first real, true official visit season, like hosting your guys on campus all year, like his first real year. And that year, I can't, I think I've referenced it before, but there is an article written, I think it was Andy Staples did like some deep dive into why this specific year now whether it's year two or three you know covid kind of changed that around um but this first season after your first season so really your second full season is like the the indicator for how recruiting is going to go for the rest of a coach's career more or less at a university like it's it's not an end-all be-all but it's a very very strong indicator of that um and so if 
Mel Tucker comes in and lands this huge class, it's an indicator that he'll be able to continue to do it as time goes on. So that's another reason why this is all so critically important. And also, while we're concentrating on the 2023 recruits, there are 2024 kids that are coming on campus right now as well that are seeing, whoa, this is the level of talent of guys in the class ahead of me that are interested in coming to this school. You know, who knows a handful of them pop and you're like, whoa, I was on my official visit the same weekend as Jordan Hall. The same, I watched him commit in Mel's basketball court in his house. I was on the, the visit the same weekend as Jalen Braxton. Uh, you know, so there's, <laughs> there's long-term ramifications to yeah. this. And I, I, it's just crazy like to think about how, just like vastly different. I think it was, what was it? Like there's some stat about D'Antonio had like, like how many four stars on official visits or something like that. I I feel like it's a will, a will uh, special stat where it's like, yeah, just the sheer level of talent that Michigan State's even getting on campus right now is bananas compared to any other point in program history. Right. Right. It was the most, you know, stars, you know, visit on OVs, I think, in, in the month of June, which is incredibly specific and very college football online staff to keep track of. But, Extremely. But there we are. So um, we because of our. Um, I guess. Yeah, Sabbath or sabbatical. Yep. Uh, we got reached out to by a few people on Twitter. You know, but it's the Sabbath too. The seventh day, we had to we true. did have we had to rest. We rest better than anyone, man. Uh, and, <laughs> and you know, uh, one one tweet broke through to us finally. We're wrecked, man. We we should do this. Uh, thank you to Ariana Carp's husband and Ariana Carp for tweeting at us. Um, we owed we owed y'all a pod. So with that, we gave him a question, and his was, "Which of the four and five star recruits that were on campus do you think will commit?" Well. We won't cheat and use the ones that have already committed, which is oh, so awesome. But um, Austin, do you want to handle that one? Yeah, so I, I, I'll answer the question in terms of like which ones I think will. But I think as you look at – I also want to like frame this in the – you know, you talk about building up that top 10 class and kind of like what has to happen for that to happen. And so it narrows down the scope of names, but also illustrates like we should really be keeping an eye on as we we get into the real nitty-gritty here so i think there's three areas in particular that msu could make a statement in and in areas where they're recruiting like five star and high four star level talent uh better even than the guys that have committed uh so i on the d line there's a group of five excuse me six players that um are really highly rated. And I think in order for Michigan State to have a top 10 type of class, you probably need to get at least two of them. Now, those names are uh, Enal Etta of Texas. I'm not going to remember where all these guys are from. Jaden Wayne, David Hicks, uh, Vic Burley, By Job, and uh, Jalen Thompson. Um, all big names, all nationally recruited. Uh, Wayne and Hicks in particular and Burley, I think are all like top 10 kids. Um, they were all together and they were all together on campus at the same time. That's just bananas in and of itself. If I had to pick one of that group that I think Michigan state has the best chance with, and that would commit sooner rather than later, I'd probably say Enal Etta. He's, um, top 60 now in the country. And the interest is obviously just like pouring in for him. I know he's got some official visits set up here soon, but like he and Andrew DePape are super close um, and, and Michigan State's putting on the full court press. So if it was one of those, I would say uh, is probably the one. If I had to pick any of the others, I would take all of them very, very happily. Um, <laughs> you and I are, are a little bit partial to Jaden Wayne because he just looks I, he looks the, like a mutant. Like he, he's an all-time get-off-the-bus guy. It's uh, I I I'm really trying not to get into recruiting because the basketball stuff was hard enough. So doing both oh. would just be like too much to handle. Um, I'm closing in on the statement that I'm really uncomfortable with. Mm. Jaden Wayne, he's 
he's nearing Jabari Parker territory. John, don't do that to yourself. I know. I just, this kid, I'm telling everyone, he's going to be in the NFL uh, for a long time. Uh, much like Jabari Parker still is in the league. Yeah. Just a, you know, when Parker has just a different league, different league, telling you guys, he gets, if this guy gets trained up by Brandon Jordan, I, I, man, that's going to be tough. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, dude, we're talking about a kid that if you don't see him at Michigan state, you're going to see at Georgia, Alabama, Texas, like one of these just massive, massive programs. And he's just going to be another guy where you're like, oh, right. Alabama defensive end uh, going number two overall. Got it. Um, yeah, this he's, he's a potential program. Like that's one of the white whales that we're talking about. That, well, that's a kid. Headliners. You're right. You know, that's, that's a kid that changes. You know, everyone's paying attention right now. People's, you know, Twitter and phones are lighting up with, with you know, Michigan State signs. Another one, there's going to be tomorrow morning, the headlines too, right? But the five-star one, that's when people like the Bama fans and like the Georgia fans, yeah. they're like, huh. Well, that's when Ohio State, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To, to pick the, the regional power yeah, exactly. starts to think, hmm, mm-hmm. this might actually be a little bit of a thing we've got going on here. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. So that's the D-line. Uh, on the offensive line, um, there are really four names. Again, now that Whedon is, is in tow uh, along with um, Jonathan Slack, you obviously have a great foundation for a really solid class. So there's really a, now three names because um, originally we had four, Whedon being one of them, and we said he needed to get two of these four. So one of those, check. So realistically, you're talking about, you know, uh, ideally one of these remaining three. If you get two or three, you're talking about an insane class. Um, but the other names are Chase Basantis uh, of New Jersey. A uh, high four-star might even be a five-star in some services. Uh, tackle, um, big-time name there. Uh, Madden Sanker, who we've already referenced, probably a center at the next level. Uh, high-level centers are really tough to get. Uh, so if you can do that, it's a it's a big move. He's from Georgia. Um, appears to be a, a, a very big proponent of Michigan State. Arkansas, another team that's chasing him uh, quite a bit, I know. And then, no, I'm sure there's some other ones. But the, the, normally not a big deal, but Arkansas is a hot team right now, too. Hey, woo pig, man. And you know, we know what they want to do. So, you know, something that Burt couldn't do. But, like, all, all, that's not a small uh, – No, that's a big one. Challenge, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, in his neighborhood, too. So, it, yeah, that's a big one. Um, the last one is is maybe, you know, Wayne and Hicks are, are probably the crown jewels of the crown jewels. But if there's a guy that's going to compete with them in terms of what if, the magnitude of landing somebody, it would have to be Samson Okuma from Massachusetts. I think he's all the way up to, like, number 23 in some services, maybe even higher. Um, but this kid is... I mean, if you if you were to make a left tackle in a lab, it would be Samson Okuma. He's every bit of 6'5", 300 pounds already, super twitchy, explosive athlete, dedicated to his craft. I mean, we're, we're talking about, again, you, you already said it with Wayne, where you're, you're talking about a day one early round, early day one pick. Okunla has all the makings of that. Long arms, just got height. I mean, he's got, he, he's got it all. Um, well, it, he's got it all. And he's got the nickname to go with. Oh, Pancake Honcho. I mean, this is the ultimate. Like, are you kidding of, me? It's the dopest thing ever. It's, it's it, like, so two things. First, this is where Michigan State's creative team deserves so much credit. They literally let him do a photo shoot with pancakes and syrup. Like, I'm sorry. That's incredible. Um, amazing, get, amazing stuff there. We got to get Log Cabin on the phone with a, NIL deal ready for that. I mean, come on. The fact that it hasn't happened Punk yet Jack. is disappointing. I hop, like, just oh. like, where, are, where are you guys? Where are you? Um, Egos, him and uh, Eleven from Stranger Things posing with Egos. I think so. <laughs> that's probably what we need. Um, even though those are waffles. Erroneous. Uh, but he's he's probably the, the next biggest recruit of the bunch. Um, 
the other thing about Akunla is that he's already been on campus. He's uh, uh, obviously a, a big proponent of Mel Tucker. And this is where keeping a guy like Chris Kapilovic around is uh, a really big deal. I mean, his, 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 his juice on the recruiting trail is not a joke. He, he really does a good job of getting these guys interested in. And Akunla would just be uh, just a, a massive, massive addition. So realistically, you know, listen, you'd love to have all three. If you can add, you probably need to add at least one again to stay in that that conversation. Um, so, so who are you picking here? Did you make a pick? If I had to pick uh, in terms of likelihood, uh, yeah. I'm going to say Sanker. I think he's a big proponent. Uh, I, I just get some really good vibes from him. And I think um, if MSU is prioritizing a position, they have some good tackle prospects. I mean, I think they're throwing all of their weight at all three of these guys, but I just, for whatever reason, I'm kind of thinking Sanker might be the guy. Um, and then there's a the secondary. Uh, it's an area where Michigan State has obviously put quite a bit of emphasis in this recruiting class after uh, last year. You know, not not just in the recruiting class, but I mean, even in the portal, they've gone and, and made some moves uh, like bringing in a mere speed. In this class, they already have three corner commits in Jalen Braxton, uh, Chance Rucker and Eddie Pleasant III. So you see that there's there's obviously some some major focus there. However, there are three names that are still quite big and, and very much in play for, for Michigan State. Um, the first being, well, actually, we were going to say two of these three. One of the three, Jalen Braxton, kind of a big get. So check that again. So we've gone through all these names. We've already <laughs> checked two of the boxes. So really the two remaining players are Caleb Presley, who is a high four-star, uh, borderline five-star recruit out of the state of Washington. Uh, he was on his official visit last weekend, um, kind of a, prototype big physical corner with some serious speed uh, again would be a huge get pulling him from across the country and while he's from the state of washington there's another player with the last name washington elliot washington uh a couple things about elliot washington he is the nephew of or cousin i can't remember which of nehemiah warwick for you old heads like me and john i uh, vividly remember watching him do what probably now would be the most illegal hit available in college football when he nearly killed Aaron Anderson going over the middle against Wisconsin kid could hit anyways. Um, still, can we just, I feel like I want to encourage everyone to go look at that hit because the yeah. kid's okay. And allegedly. And also it was the first time I had ever jumped out of my seat during a football game and dropped my beer. Only, I screamed. There have only been three occasions in my life where I've dropped my beer that was the first. I feel like everyone should have known that it was an important part. Of my I life. was in the Breslin. I was in the Breslin Center at the Izone Campout, the only Izone Campout I ever attended. Watching, uh, watching that one. Yeah, and I believe I screamed at the top of my lungs. Um, also, not a penalty on that play, nope. which is just Wait. complete insanity. Anyways, Elliot Washington, uh, high four-star safety uh, from Florida, I believe, currently committed to Alabama but is taking, I believe, his official visit this weekend and uh, some some positive momentum for Michigan State there. Um, I think that might be the one that makes me sort of really like legitimately pinch myself or maybe burn myself trying to see if I'm dreaming or not. If, yeah. if Michigan State was able to pull off a flip of a Alabama secondary player, um, <laughs> that would be just a – that's a, just a preposterous uh, sentence to put together in the year 2022. <laughs> there are some things that we were like texting each other that we were then laughing about like, okay, now pretend I sent you this text message in 2018. <laughs> and like, how would you have felt after coming off the 2019, if I was like, hey, MSU looks to be making a big move on flipping out Alabama commit right now. Oh my God. You're like, oh, like Al you um Alabama State? Or like right. what, what did you and then like what were the other jokes like did Mark Antonio bless his heart know what IMG Academy was? Yeah, no, we thought it was an insurance company. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, here's what Mark D'Antonio knows about IMG Academy. Uh, he got Jack Camper from there. Like, oh, okay. if that's not the most Mark D'Antonio, like, p 
possible outcome in our, on the recruiting trail. I don't know what it is. He finally gets somebody from IMG, and it's Jack Camper. It had to be Jack. Jack walked so we could run today. Yeah, with several different players. Um, so, yeah, needless to say, uh, potential options there. I think if I'm picking one of the two, um, in terms of likelihood, I, I think I have, as insane as it sounds, I probably would say – Washington, although I think there's a pretty good shot at both here. This is probably the toughest decision of all of them. Um, but I'd probably say Washington because of the family connection. And, and quite honestly, like, listen, Bama's Bama. I'm never going to ever in a million years fault anyone for going there if you're a college football player. I honestly have, like, kind of a, a, a my own subs- subscribed belief that if you get offered there, you shouldn't entertain anything else and you should just go. Right. Um, and I've kind of like actually believe that because the worst case you become the most attractive player at your position available on the transfer market. But yep. that that's the worst possible outcome there. Right. So uh, I certainly will not blame him if he decides to stay uh, true to his commitment, but the family connection at Michigan state is, is not nothing. And honestly, the chance to come in and play right away and compete for a spot next fall is not something you will get at Alabama. It just, just call it like it is. You're going to get that at Michigan state. So, um, a high four star probably guy who wants to play. So I think that that and the family connection and frankly, the just kind of the juice, uh, that MSU has right now could, could be the deciding factor there. So, you know, fingers crossed that, that these guys come to play, but I, you know, just in running through those, you know, 10, 12 names, these are all guys that Michigan state has a chance to land. Like, like, and, and none of them are these wild fantasies, some less likely than others. Don't get me wrong, but MSU is in the fight for all these guys. They've all, they're all taking official visits. And the craziest part is all of the players we talked about with the exception of Jonathan Slack and Jalen Thompson, none of them are from the state of Michigan. Right. And we we're talking about guys from t- tons of Texas, tons of Florida, Tennessee, uh, where at is at is Texas, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Washington. I mean, guys from again, not even like just one region. It's a national recruiting pitch that they're putting out there right now, and that is again not a pool that Michigan State has ever tried to to swim in. So, um, pretty pretty. <laughs> just kind of wild in general. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a, it's as exciting a time as it's ever been, in my opinion, to be a Michigan State fan. Well, and it's because we don't know what the ceiling is. That's the best part of any rebuild, right? Is not knowing the ceiling and even like lying to yourself about how good the ceiling can be. We we don't have to lie to ourselves yet. We'll let you know when we are. (laughs) Yeah. We're not, not lying yet because if the minimum goals were top 15 class and eight wins, you know, I, those are very attainable if you're wanting to continue on the trajectory towards national champion and people laugh at that. But if you want like, okay, laugh at, laugh at Michigan state trying. It's one of very few schools that it's taken a crack at it. And how lucky are we that we're one of basically 60 schools that like took a jump and like said our school is the one that's going for it. Like how lucky are we? I mean, I, I mean, just beyond lucky. And I think people old heads like us probably appreciate it more than some. It also opens up my eyes to like maybe how naive I was going through some of the, uh, oh, yeah. the D'Antonio years where you just had this blind faith because it had, you know, he was just so wildly successful doing it the way that he did it. And yet it truly defies all logic. That we were the was. worst fans for like the worst reasons. We didn't know we were the worst, but here's the thing. Okay. So this kind of brings me to an interesting side topic of like, how does Ohio state not like loathe MSU fans like the way that they loathe michigan like i i I mean obviously it's never gonna be exactly the same but like msu was just so annoying to them and cost them legitimate national title opportunities more than one time during d'antonio's tenure twice and i would tell you that i think that the really online ones do feel that way 
like the ones that do understand the talent gap. Like yeah. a lot of people tune in and, and it's not a judgment. It's just like, Hey, anyone could win on any day. And, and we all just say, yep. And that's not true. Unless you're, Michigan, <laughs> unless you're Michigan playing Appalachian state, but truly like it's not. And it's like, Alabama's not going to lose to their Sunbelt, the Sunbelt team they play. Right. Like it's not going to happen. So I don't know. I think I just, the talent gap, I think what I'm saying is like the really online guys probably hate us as much as they hate Michigan, but they've forgotten about it a little bit because of the L recently. Yeah. And I wonder if that, you know, comes back a little bit maybe if some of the games are, are obviously closer than they were last year. But I yeah, again, I I you know, the same way that no one saw an eleven win season coming last year, even the most optimistic fan, like I don't think anybody saw a top, you know, five to eight to ten recruiting class coming this year. And I I'm not gonna sit here like as a Michigan State historical fan, I'll be like, holy crap, I'm shocked. But, like, at this point, it, it would be hard to be legitimately shocked by anything that kind of kind of happens, just given what we've legitimately seen take place over the last, you know, call it year and a half. Have you, so, ever, have you ever seen Ozark? Yeah. Okay, so if those who haven't seen it, it's basically a pretty normal couple gets further and further entrenched into selling drugs. <laughs> kind of like Breaking Bad, but in a different way. And they just get like a little, and same thing with Breaking Bad. You just get a little closer to like what's okay and what's not okay. And like yeah. you were saying, you're like, it becomes more realistic as little things happen, but it's a bunch of little things have happened. Yeah. Got us to today where it's not as like unrealistic as back to when, if we were texting each other these things in 2018, like a completely different scenario. Yeah, and next thing you know, you're running the cartel, right? Like, <laughs> or you're running the cartel. Like, yeah. one of the two. Yeah. Uh, hey, even, you know, ideally, we are running the CFP cartel here by 2025. But, uh, if that is if that is our cross to bear, so be it. Is it uh, a ask to win one national championship? Like, is it too much to ask? Is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I am asking. Like, is that a big ask? for me in my lifetime to the sporting <laughs> gods. I don't even know, man. Like, <laughs> is it? I, I like, I, we, we've gone down so many fun imaginary paths, but like, it's, I don't see the only reason why I, I don't get, I, I don't look at that the same way as you say like, Oh, the lions could win the super bowl. Like literally something I can't imagine taking place is that because I, there was a point in time where the year that Michigan State won the Rose Bowl, I am I will never be not convinced that had they played in the national championship game, they would have won the national championship that year. Like, I, because I have like sort of believed it at one point in time, I'm not ruling it out. Like, I don't even feel that way about the college football playoff appearance. I don't feel that way about any of the other Connor Cook years. But that year, they were playing as well as anybody in the country going into that game. And it, it, it was, I believe that was the Mariota year. That was Mariota and, and Jameis. And I'm, I'll am i never be unconvinced that that game, that if MSU had been in that one, that uh, they wouldn't have had the chance. So again, I, I don't think it's so much to ask. I don't think it's this like wildly outrageous thing, but the only reason I don't is because I feel like they've been within shouting distance of it. I mean, they finished the year number three in the country that year. Yeah, I think that was all luck though. And I'm going to be chilled for that. But when I say luck, I mean, those weren't five-star classes stacked on each other four times in a row. Oh, and no. No, 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 was, no. Well, it's different now. It's, it's different, different now because it's not the BCS anymore. This is – this that that lev- there is an absolute level of computer luck there. But the the – that does not exist anymore. Like with the level that Ohio state's gotten to since then with the fact that you have to go to a playoff and beat probably two sec teams or something of that ilk. Um, no, it's not what it was then. So yeah, different era, quite honestly. It was. And I think the other fun thing about that era, if we remember it was 
a huge gradual climb up a mountain, which was fun yeah. to do as a fan base together, right? But it was always to the Rose Bowl. It was always yes. prepare for the Rose Bowl. Rose petals painted on the cleats. Like it was always the rallying cry was the Rose Bowl. Not to be the national champion. Austin. Yeah, true, and no true. one questioned it because it was like that was too unattainable. Because, you know, it was Rose Bowl first, maybe. But even so, it was so important that national championship was a bridge too far. And yeah. Or rather wasn't attainable yet. And which is fine. But I think now, because of what D'Antonio accomplished, because Mel won a Peach Bowl in his second year, like you can start to look beyond and, and, and wonder aloud. Is it realistic? And right now, there it's a long ways to go. But at the same time, they're ahead of almost every I mean, non-good team in the country. Well, where was – I mean, again, if you want to do the D'Antonio comparison, like where was D'Antonio's team at this – like where is – you know, in year two, where is Tucker's team as opposed to – like what year did D'Antonio have to get to to reach this point? I mean, it was year – four five yeah well he won he won the big 10 in 2011 and he started year four yeah well and mel hasn't won the big 10 yet you know there's a ways to go no but but he had an ele- and, and no and you can't it's not apples to apples but i'm just saying okay. in terms of like momentum around a program like i agree it's, it's not just, apples to apples and i think the thing that people forget is that the gap here between the good teams and even the not terrible teams is so wide right now. I don't know if it's always been this wide of a gap. Yeah. The chasm is, is significant between, like you said, even like teams four and five, five and six. I mean, it's, we watched what Michigan and Cincinnati, what happened to them? And it's not, exactly. I'm not taking shots. It happened to us. Like, yeah. <laughs> seen it. What happens every year? I mean, yeah. it's happened to Oklahoma before it's happened to, yeah. you know, a lot of I feel like Oregon's gotten their asses kicked there before I mean it's not there's nothing to be ashamed of it's kind of like the inevitable end point it feels like it's the best case scenario for 61 teams like yeah (laughs) I still talk about the fact that we went there in 2015 Michigan fans should talk about that they should brag about that Cincinnati fans should build a freaking statue like you should be excited about those things but again so it's about a you talk about expectations. It's like the theme of this podcast. Uh, if your expectations to make the national championship and win the national championship, certain different standards come with that. So, uh, John, I think we should take a quick break, and then I want to oh, give you. Yeah, I want to give you eight minutes on the other side of this to go on your little diatribe, and then we'll go off into the night. We'll come back at some vague point in the future. Perfect. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back, John. The floor is yours, my friend. It's basketball time. Had to grab a beer for this. (laughs) So here's the deal, friends. It's not as bad as everyone wants, you know, says it is, but it's also not good. Uh, since we've been a lot of moving parts here, uh, uh, some decent, some interesting, some not great. I'll walk through them as quickly as I can. Current staff on the bench made a hire. Thomas Kelly, uh, former Michigan State player, in the Washington, or excuse me, the Western Michigan bench for the last four years. Hired him technically away from Dwayne Stevens' staff, and now the current assistant coaches are Mark Montgomery, Doug Wojcik. And Thomas Kelly. Unfortunately, Mike Garland has also stepped down. Um, although uh, I think it's under 
especially unfortunate circumstances, but I won't, um, you know, pry. I believe it's family-related uh, issues, health issues. So good for him. I'm, fr I'm so happy that he's able to do what he wants or needs to be doing. Um, that's going to leave another gap on the bench for Tom Izzo. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, finally replacing uh, the the opening on the staff with Thomas Kelly. I, I I at first it was like whatever, it's no big deal. It's the third assistant. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna get frustrated out loud here. And here's why you should expect a little bit more. And it's okay I think to to question Tom here. When you have an opportunity with almost no risk, all reward, in a higher like a third assistant. Why, why play it so safe and conservative? And, you know, Thomas Kelly, he might be the next best thing, and, and I don't know anything about it. What I do know is, is what the resumes are on the table right now. The resumes today are Thomas Kelly was on a staff at Western Michigan in which two of his bosses will let go for performance. Now, that's not a reflection of Thomas Kelly, but on the other hand, he – certainly didn't help those guys not get fired, or at least didn't help them enough to not get fired. So that is not great. And then he gets hired, and then you know because he's a former player and previously on the staff, it you know keeping it in the family is one thing, but at what point are there any like new ideas and dissenting opinions or new approaches or uh, new strategies, new thought? You know, the Michigan State way has has worked in droves for a long time. And the only reason I, I think there ever has to be someone to come in and question it is when you look at your goals. And Tom Izzo's goals was a second national championship. He said it. He said it out loud for a long time. Does Thomas Kelly hire help you win a national championship, your second one? Is he, does he make you closer to it or no move or further away? If it's not closer to it, then I'm not sure what you're doing. And again, this has nothing to do with him and more to do with there is a huge opportunity to go and shake things up. Do something different. Make a big move. Do something that is going to draw attention to you in a good way and help you long term and overall to get to that goal of a second national championship. And and it just felt mailed in. And here's why I, I it's such a silly thing to get upset about. The thing that kind of made me like think about this was that Dane Fife was the head coach at a Division One school, Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne. And and he left that job to take the second assistant job at Michigan State. So now Michigan State is, you know, for essentially the um, one position below, went from the expectation being people will quit their head coaching jobs. They'll quit them to come and to be a coach on, at Michigan State. That's the standard. That's the barrier. You know, that is that's what Michigan State set. And now we're hiring a third assistant from a Mac program who's had two head coaches that were fired while he was there. That's the move so that you can sense when you compare a little bit, you know, that's not exactly to apples to apples, but it's pretty close for the second assistant job to third assistant job. And you can see like why there's frustration. And this is just boiling over from the fact that he, you know, Tom is not filling the, the, not even the full amount of scholarships, but he'll have nine capable big 10 players on scholarship this year, which is not great, but candidly, they will compete in the Big Ten. They will probably finish fourth, maybe even better, who knows, despite the fact that they don't have a, um, a lot of center depth. But there's not a lot of great centers in the Big Ten, so it's going to be kind of a hidden thing. And so the streak probably will feel like it's in jeopardy, but will continue in my estimation. And then you have to go all in on 2023. And, and I think that's what he's trying to do with that recruiting class, which, thank goodness, and then you're looking at time as his final push. So this year, hold your breath. Um, and I think everyone's just kind of looking at 2023 um, because this year we start out with the Champions Classic against Kentucky, and then we're playing Gonzaga on an uh, airline carrier on Veterans Day, Austin, which is going to be awesome. But I don't know if they're a national championship contender. So that's where yeah. we're at. Got a ways to go. I actually feel like feel better yeah i mean i don't think any of our gripes are necessarily solved but um you know eh, whatever i th i do think now that there is an, an additional opening I'm, I'm i'm once again very curious to see how they handle it with mike garland stepping away 
Well, keep um, in mind, he was like a special assistant. That was like a position true. that was made for him because of the, I think, family issues he needed to attend to. So I don't know if they will so, backfill it. So there you go. I don't know. No real no. Up, upgrades to be made. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks. Whatever. We got, well, this is a football podcast. I just wanted to give you your time to kind of, you know, make, make your make your feelings known. Vent a little bit because I just I know, you know, things have been hard recently with uh, you, know, you and your basketball love. You can't pent things up, Austin. You can't go months without, you know, no. having little uh, blown off little steam here. But hey, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Um, the other thing, dude, they're going to be they're like I, I said it for and I'm, we'll wrap here. But they're it's not quite that bad. The, the roster is actually pretty decent. It's just like feels like there's an opportunity on the table to build on it. And like Mel is doing with the football team and we're just not taking advantage. Yeah, and I think that's that you just hit the nail on the head. Like there's a contrast there that I think people are uh, th- that's kind of jumping off the page a little bit um, where you just feel all of this juice. And quite honestly, like I, not a um, it's not like that's something MSU hasn't had in the past. Like basketball has had so much of that once upon a time, you know. And to just not feel it the same way uh, when, you know, your, your, your other side's kind of taken over that mantle is, is a weird feeling as an MSU fan. So, I don't know. Whatever. Hey, listen, I don't want to end this on a depressing note, okay? Football, listen, I think this is our first time in show history that we had two, or excuse me, one on-show commitment happen and i think that's something we should celebrate it's true wow what a day we didn't even what plan a day. It. we didn't even plan it. it just happened yeah no it was it was pretty cheap it didn't cost us that much money um <laughs> well, all right john listen this has been great we should maybe do this once again during the summer i don't know i don't want to commit to anything too crazy but um cool all right guys as always thanks for sticking with us for john this has been austin We'll catch you later. See you.